In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. By now you know how this is going to start. Every one of us has got a story, and if we went around the room this morning, and if just for this one hour in this one week, if we could all be honest, and if we each had our say, our stories would not be pretty. They would be stories that would be marked by being lonely and unloved. They would be stories about hurting others and being hurt. They would be stories that tell that we are broken, incomplete, and sometimes even fail. But Pentecost is the long, green, growing season of the church when Jesus trades his story for our story. So Peter stood up on Pentecost and said, Your story is a rotten story. You all killed Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. To which 3,000 people replied, You are right, our story is rotten. What now? What Peter said next is what the church has been saying for 2,000 years. Repent, that is, agree with God. Agree with God in his judgment on you. Repent, come clean. Admit you are a sinner because only sinners can be forgiven. Admit you are a dead man because only the dead can be raised. And then be baptized with water and name, be washed up and forgiven and live within that name of Jesus. Live by the forgiveness given to you as a gift Live as the Holy Spirit bids. That is how Jesus makes the trade. In the past few weeks, we have seen that it is all his work. Jesus pushes his story into you, and he pushes your rotten story out of you. Jesus gives you his story, a story that erases your past and gives you a hopeful, joyful future. If there is any art that is lacking in the church today, that's it. Confession and forgiveness. Embracing a confession that really does admit our sin and a forgiveness that really does erase our past and set us free. The reason we find it so difficult, even after years in the church, is that we often have no interest in a full cure. Though we may find something intriguing or even delightful about Jesus, our stories are, after all, our stories. And we are in the habit of defending ourselves and our stories to the death. But that, you see, is how we got here today. That sets us up for failure, being broken and incomplete. Jesus' story, as you have learned the past few weeks, is all or nothing. So you cannot have his story and your story too. Without the law, there is no gospel. Without death, there is no resurrection. Without sin, there is no forgiveness. Without destroying your story, there is no room for his story. And that, in fact, is remarkably good news. Because in the end, 
The only cure worth having is a full cure. And that this morning is the story of St. Matthew. There St. Matthew sits at the tax table. We know something about tax men in Jesus' day. Typically, they cheated, collecting more than they were due. So typically, they were rich. And typically, they were hated as traitors and thieves because the money they collected went not to Jerusalem but to Rome. Occasionally, they were even the target of assassins. So they were rich and they were comfortable, but they had a bad story. Then one day, along comes Jesus Christ telling his story. Let's dance, he says to St. Matthew, the tax collector. Stand up and follow me. Have me as your rabbi, have me as your Lord, have me as your life, have me as your story. Say as I say, do as I do, and leave your own rotten story here to die at the tax table. And with the trading of the stories, an apostle is made. Verse 9. And rising up, Anastas in the Greek, Matthew followed Jesus. Anastas is the word for getting up from a table but it is also the root word for anastasis, resurrection. So it is not too much of a theological stretch to read the text this way. And being resurrected, Matthew followed Jesus. And now you see we are back where we started, because resurrection is always a full cure. It would be fairly easy now to finish up with a bad word about the Pharisees, who were always rejecting Jesus because he was a friend of sinners. But it would probably would be more helpful to finish up with a word about us. I wonder what could prompt all of us to the full cure, the full gift. Full confession, everything on the table, and full forgiveness, everything taken away. I wonder what could prompt us to the full life that Jesus intends for us. One of the most compelling places in all of Rome is a dark corner in a little church where the story of St. Matthew's call by the artist Caravaggio hangs. Matthew is sitting at a table with the other tax collectors, richly dressed, counting his money. Off to the side, Jesus stands barefoot, almost out of Matthew's story. But Jesus' arm reaches across the canvas as if to say, Follow me. Matthew's arm curls back in upon himself as if to say, Who, me? And with his reach and with his gaze, Jesus seems to say, Yes, you. 
There is light that comes from Jesus' hand and bounces off his face and off the window and off the wall, lighting St. Matthew's face. And all the others around him are oblivious to Jesus. They just carry on counting their money, sticking to their stories. But underneath the table, you can see that Matthew's legs are already tense. He is already beginning to rise up and follow Christ. And so an apostle is made. What has that got to do with your story? To see the painting, you've got to drop a euro in the box. So a timer pops the lights on for a few minutes. Sometimes when the time is up and the lights pop off, there is a bit of gamesmanship to see who will put the next euro in the box. Even though the folks standing around don't speak the same language, there is a way of saying without saying, hey, I put it in last time, or I've seen enough. But sometimes in the crowd, there is somebody who is so taken by that painting that they cannot get their money out fast enough. It is as if they cannot bear to stop seeing Jesus do what he is doing to St. Matthew. They cannot live without a glimpse of the resurrection. And that, you see, is a parable for us in euros and timers and pigment. Verse 13, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. The only real mercy the only real mercy that matters is the mercy that drops down from heaven in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. A mercy applied to us in word and sacrament. A mercy that actually makes it safe for us to live in confession and absolution. A mercy that leads us back to Eden. This is the only real story in all the world, this is the only story worth telling. It is the story of mercy incarnate in Jesus Christ. How does it work? Jesus pushes his merciful story into you, a story of open, loving, forgiving arms, and he pushes your horrible, rotten, broken story out of you. It is his work. Why does it work? Because the gift of Christ is the gift of perichoresis, the gift of the dance, the love and relationship and community of the Trinity, the divine life of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What does it do? It erases your story, your horrible, rotten story. It takes it away, so you have nothing more to worry about. Just as Matthew now can stop worrying about tax rates and club fees and assassins, and it draws you into a full life, a new life, of doing exactly what Jesus does and saying exactly what Jesus says. A life of confession and absolution, which you heard about on Pentecost. A life you heard described in Acts chapter 2 as living for Christ and Scripture and prayer and Eucharist and generosity and mercy and witness. Where does it work? 
where Christ promises to be present every Sabbath, altar, pulpit, and font, which is why Christ puts pastors into place. More on that in the gospel appointed for next week. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.